0: Good afternoon, Cornerstone. I'm Lillian. I'll be doing the scripture reading for today. The passage will be taken from Matthew chapter two, verses one through twelve. Matthew chapter two, verses one through twelve. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herald, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Hello, Cornerstone family. I hope you and your family are well and experiencing the Lord Jesus' blessings daily. Now, this third week of Advent, uh, we are going to focus on the joy that we have in the Lord Jesus. But what is joy? What comes to mind when you think of someone who has joy? How is it expressed? What does it look like? Well, often we think of maybe humor or laughter as an expression of joy, which can be true. Um, a good joke can lift our hearts. What do you get when you come across a porcupine and a tortoise? I know. What? A slow poke. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> a tortoise is slow and a porcupine, folks. Uh, an image of joy that comes to mind is that of a small child that uh, like wiggling and giggling uh, uncontrollably and like infects everybody around them.
0: <laughs> <What's up>? <laughs>
1: I remember when I was pretty young. And I would have these moments of joy in my heart that would, I just couldn't contain it. So what I would do is I would like bolt, meaning I'd run as fast as I could into a room of our house where other family members were. And I would wiggle and dance and jump around just uncontrollably and then I would run out of the room. And they would always laugh at my weirdness. Uh, do you ever feel joy Just want to dance with the expression of this joy you have? I know I do at times. The only problem is I don't know how to dance, so I don't have any like ways to really express. So I just like awkwardly move around and jump or whatever and it just feels so limited in expressing the joy of my heart. We often witness and experience joy at the birth of a baby. And as a community, we experienced this with the birth of Percival on December 2nd to Emily and Carl. And May and I uh, just experienced this with our neighbors uh, this past Thursday, who gave birth to their daughter. Uh, and it was an exciting time. Do you have joy in your life? Does, is there even moments of joy or... Uh, consistent joy and you know if we don't have joy in our lives if we can't see that we do then where is our joy where did it go you know there was great joy for those who heard of the birth of Jesus Christ when the angel proclaimed for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and we also see this in our text in Matthew chapter 2, that these wise men experienced joy as they were coming into, be into the presence of Jesus, this child. You see, real joy and Jesus, they are inseparable. And we will see this over and over again in throughout Scripture, but especially in our text today. Now, notice that the one title used of Jesus in our text, and there's only one title, I mean, used in our text today of Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. And this is King of the Jews. It's a title used about Jesus here at the beginning of his life. And then it's, interestingly, a title that is used of Jesus at the very end of his life. Uh, in Matthew, the wise men asked in verse 2, of our text in chapter 2 where is he who has been born king of the jews and then Jesus's life ended with an affirmation nailed to the cross if you remember above him that was that he was the king of the jews this is recorded in Luke where it says there was written a notice above him which read this is the king of the jews see Jesus was born a king but only a few people at first believed this or knew about it because only a few people were told about this, the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and those people that they told. Um, But some of the first believers we see that Jesus was born king were people that came from outside of Israel and that were these wise men. Now who were these wise men who visited Jesus? Well, we don't know much about them. Uh, some of clues that we know about them come from the first two verses of our text here in Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now the scripture doesn't say that these wise men were kings or it doesn't say how many of them there were. Uh, over the years, people have made assumptions, which have then become traditions. Uh, one of them was that these wise men were kings, like that old Christmas hymn, uh, We Three Kings of Orion are, you know, the three kings. Um, that was not, they were most likely not kings. Um, And then there was this assumption that there were three of them because of the three gifts that were given to Jesus by these wise men. But if you think about it, if they were actually kings from other countries, then this alone would threaten King Herod, especially because they didn't come to honor King Herod or to seek a relationship with him. No, they, they came to for someone else to actually worship this other person who they called the King of the Jews. So who were these wise men? Well, we know that they were from the East and that they looked at stars because they saw the star. Uh, so they were probably astrologers. And do you remember the story of Daniel in the Old Testament where uh, and how Daniel was a leader among the um, Babylonian, kings uh, magicians and enchanters and these were the kings what they called wise men on whom he would go to and call for help in understanding things that would happen in his kingdom or try to make help him make decisions the king often called on daniel to seek his wisdom we see in the old testament um, book of daniel and then Uh, The thought here is that the Jews who had been exiled to Babylonian area that had settled there, and then Jews like Daniel, who had influence on these wise men that surrounded the king, um, would have introduced the Hebrew Scriptures as a source of wisdom. And so that would have been carried on through the centuries. So they had the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, which we call Bible, And and in the Hebrew scriptures, there's this prophecy that says in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. Now, this may have led some of these wise men to believe that the star that they saw was a sign of a divinely sent leader that would rise out. Of Israel so they went to find him and worship him so they just knew this person would come out of Israel so that's why they arrived and they asked Herod where is this child born to be king Uh, born king not born to be king and uh, and when they came to Herod King Herod and asked this question uh, where the child was our text says when Herod the king heard this he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him." The original Greek word translated here is troubled, uh, really means and carries with it a meaning of great distress, greatly distressed. And so Herod wasn't just simply troubled. He was greatly distressed and all of Jerusalem with him because when King Herod was upset, bad things were going to happen. Now let me give you a little background of King Herod. See, the Jews hated Herod because he had aligned himself successfully with Rome, who were the oppressors <laughs> of the Jewish people. And he had been appointed king uh, by the Roman Senate all the way back in 40 BC. And then by 37 BC, King Herod had um, gained control over the whole area of Israel and the other uh, some areas beyond. And so, you know, he considered himself king of the Jews. Um, and, and so the fact that the wise men called Jesus the king of the Jews uh, was a direct threat to the authority of King Herod. Uh, besides this, Herod was paranoid. And, uh, for example, he had um, his three sons, his wife and his mother-in-law, All put to death because he saw them as threats to his own power. And not only that, uh, his murderous streak did not even end with his death because uh, he had, before as he saw his own death approaching, the story goes that he got um, the most distinguished citizens of Jerusalem arrested on these fake charges that he created and then ordered that they would be executed um, at the minute after he died. And he did this because he knew that the Jews hated him, and so nobody would mourn his death. But he wanted them to mourn the day he died, because all these prominent leaders of the Jewish people would be killed on the day he died. That's how sick his mind was thinking. Um, He was a terrific architect. Uh, uh, He gained favor with the populace a little bit, even though they didn't like him because he rebuilt the temple. Um, and, And because he was a great architect, it came out really good. And the rabbis of that time often said, I quote, he who has not seen the temple has not seen a beautiful building, end quote. And then Herod also was known for the fortress he built on Masada, uh, a magnificent palace hewn into the side of the mountain and a real amazing display of engineering. Now, the wise men who came probably were not aware uh, of what kind of king Herod was. Uh, they probably were assuming when they arrived that there would be some excitement about this child-born king of the Jews. But why did they want to come and visit uh, the king of the Jews anyway, in the first place. Was it simply curiosity? Was it that they wanted to honor this new king? I mean, they had never come to visit Herod before this, as far as we know. Um, they referred to the star they saw as his star, meaning the star of this child born to be king. Um, and they wanted to worship him, which then means that there was some understanding that they had that this there was a divine essence to this child that was born. Whether it's divinely chosen or he himself was, had some divineness in him. We don't know actually what these wise men believed. It doesn't go into that. We just know they came and they wanted to worship Jesus. But they, they just simply wanted to find Jesus and worship him. And notice that they said that uh, Jesus or this child was born king of the Jews. Not born uh, to be made king of the Jews or to become king of the Jews, but born as the king of the Jews. This in itself must have really irritated King Herod when they came to him and said this. Um, because worshiping a king is quite different than just showing respect or honor. What can we learn from this story in Matthew chapter 2? And what can we apply to our lives from this The wise men did not understand everything, you know, who they were going to see exactly, but they still went and sought Jesus, and they worshipped him. And when they saw the star, when they left Jerusalem, then the text says they saw the star of Jesus, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and they worshipped him. Now here's one thing we learn from this text. When we are in the presence of Jesus, we, uh, or He, gives us joy. When we are in the presence of Jesus, He gives us joy. Jesus gives joy to life because, as He said, He is life. He is the giver of life. He is the sustainer of life. As Psalm 16, verse 11 says very well, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. On this third week of Advent, we focus on the truth that the Lord Jesus gives joy. The wise men experienced great joy as they drew near to Jesus. They did not understand who Jesus actually was. But His joy still filled their hearts as they came to be in His presence, even as an infant. Last week we heard in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, that an angel proclaimed in regards to Jesus' birth, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The Lord Jesus gives joy. The angel proclaimed the news of great joy. These wise men uh, rejoiced exceedingly with great joy when they came into his presence. And then I was thinking, at the end of Jesus' life too, or after his resurrection, there's this story of Jesus appearing to these two followers of his. This is the day of his resurrection. And he shows up and starts walking alongside them incognito. They don't recognize him. And, and he talks to them. And they describe this experience of being with Jesus even before they knew he was Jesus. And they say this, listen, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I put forward that this is their description of their joy while in the presence of Jesus, even before they knew he was Jesus at that point. What is joy? Is it like this character named Joy in the movie Inside Out? And Joy's character in this movie introduces that joy is much deeper than happiness or sadness. It exists, we learn in this movie, alongside these emotions, actually intertwined, intermixed with these emotions. But the movie misses the source of joy, and that is that it is from our Creator, our Lord God. So it misses that point. What is joy? Well, joy is delight that runs deeper than any pain or pleasure that we have. From a biblical perspective, it is not limited to or dependent on Uh, circumstances in any way. Joy is a gift of God, a fruit of the Spirit, and like all God's inner gifts, that joy can be experienced even in the midst of extremely difficult circumstances. Joy, therefore, is a quality of life and not not simply a fleeting emotion that will come up and leave us, any moment and joy so therefore joy is grounded in God himself and, and, and flows from God so if we think about it joy is an integral part of one's relationship with God and so therefore the fullness of joy comes when we have this deep sense of God's presence with us in the everyday stuff of life Jesus mentioned joy in his teaching found in John chapter 10. I mean sorry, John 15 verses 10 and 11. This is what he said there. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now what did Jesus mean by my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete? See, our joy comes from the joy of the Lord Himself. Our joy will never be fully realized, complete, as it says, without the joy of the Lord filling our hearts. Now, this is only possible through faith in Jesus as the risen Son of God, Redeemer of mankind, uh, King of the universe, and following Him as Lord. We will never be able to experience real joy, the real joy of the Lord, unless we follow Jesus fully. We need to seek Him, even as the wise men didn't fully understand, but they were seeking Jesus and they were worshiping Him. Nehemiah, a leader in the Old Testament, instructed the Israelites, saying, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is the joy of God that gives us strength to live, to laugh, to love, bringing God glory and honor when we do these things. So what did Jesus mean by my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete? Well, Jesus in another location of Matthew chapter 6 taught us not to worry. And how worrying doesn't add a single moment to our life. Useless in that sense. And God, he goes on to say, provides for the flowers and the plants and the birds of the air. So how much more will God provide for us who love and follow him? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. I bring this up because Jesus is describing here a lightness of heart that comes to us um, and when we trust in Him, and then therefore the joy of the Lord is allowed room in our hearts to fill us, and we experience the joy of Christ, the joy of the Lord. See, jo- joy involves letting go of the burdens, a clearing of our cluttered minds, clearing our schedule, making time to be alone with God, quiet. And still. It is in this space, this stillness with God, that His joy then fills us. And when our schedule is full and our mind is full, then we have kept the joy of the Lord out. In a sense, we have crowded it out. To experience His joy, then let's clear some time in our schedules to be still before the Lord. Still our racing thoughts, and allow the peace of Christ, the joy of Christ to fill us, to enter our minds and our hearts and turn our burdens over to Jesus. And, And even if it's just for a little while, when we begin to do this, we can experience these moments of His joy. The Lord Jesus gives us joy. You know, there's times when you and I Experience the joy of the Lord, uh, even apart from these still, these scheduled still times. It's these times that are um, unexpected, and then they come on us. Now let me describe a few of them. like if for a parent, uh, it may be uh, that you experience the joy of the Lord while you're watching your child sleep, and you're staring at the child, your child, and you're, you're sending your love to their their quiet, still body as they're breathing, and you're receiving love back, you're filled with love, and it's this moment of stillness that you're there with your child. The joy of the Lord is present in that moment. Um, Another time would be when we look at a magnificent sunset and we're taking it all in, and we're still there and just amazed by God's beauty or a or, or scenery when we climb to the top of a mountain. The joy of the Lord is present in that moment. Another time I experience this unexpectedly is when my dog comes to me and uh, looks me in the eyes and is wagging her tail. And there's that intimate connection and the joy of the Lord is in that moment. He is present. The joy of the Lord comes when we give our burdens over to Jesus and trust Him to carry them for us because then there's this lightness of heart and mind in us and it is melding our spirit within God's spirit that is within us. Joy is a trust to follow Jesus with all that burdens us and therefore our hearts are lightened because His yoke is easy. Um, I have been a pastor for 28 years in four different churches. and Life and ministry often become busy and stressful. And I find that listening to a good joke or a funny story or watching like stupid cat or dog videos, you know, funny cat or dog videos, uh, lightens my heart um, and lifts the, the burden or actually puts the burdens of my mind and my heart in perspective uh, because of this this humor that is just reminding me that no matter how bad life gets life is good and they're the silly things of life that God has made in his creation that can lighten our hearts uh, Humor is healthy for us not the kind of humor that um, tears other people down or dishonors Jesus and his teachings, that humor is not healthy for us. But silly, funny, goofy, witty humor helps to remind us that in Christ Jesus, life is good, no matter how bad it gets. So I'll end today with a funny story. A Sunday school teacher who was teaching his... uh, children's ministry class, so this is uh, young kids, Uh, he had been teaching them about the gospel. He was trying to help them understand in their young age what the gospel is. And so he wanted to see how much they understood. So he was going to kind of uh, probe and see. So he he started off by asking a few questions. One question was, okay, if I sold my car and my house and I had a big garage sale and gave all my stuff you know, money that I made from those things to the church, would that get me into heaven? And all his kids proudly yelled, No! And then he said, Okay, so if I clean the church every day and I made everything nice and tidy and neat inside the church and I mowed the church lawn and kept it up nice, would that get me into heaven? And the kids said, No! So he's feeling really good now. So then he thinks, Okay, uh, if, if I was kind to animals and I gave candy to all the children and I loved my wife, would that get me into heaven? And the children said, No! So then he goes, Well, then what will get me into heaven? And this five-year-old boy in the back says, you got to be dead! Consider serving in the children's ministry uh, because we need people with the joy of the Lord in their hearts, to give them strength. But you know what I've found is that we often see joy in children much more readily and easily because their hearts are light. They're not yet burdened with the things of life often. And so we see joy in their, their eyes and their, their lives, their expressions so much more readily than we do in adults. Consider serving in our children's ministry. We, we need people like you. The Lord Jesus gives us joy. That's why it's inseparable. Where is your joy? May the joy of Jesus be in our hearts and minds so that our joy may be complete as we follow Him as Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we... We ask that our hearts and our minds that are burdened now in one thing or another, whether it be by work requirements or expectations or overload, uh, by trouble in relationships, or by overwhelming schoolwork, um, or just by abuse that is happening to us um, that's out of our control, or by horrible situations that either through due to sickness or to injury or to losses of people in our lives that have passed away. Lord, all these things are horrible. And we pray now that we would be able to trust you with our burdens and experience the lightness of heart that allows for your joy to fill us and for us to live with joy. Because the future is bright when we look to you, Lord Jesus, and what you have prepared for us and for eternity. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we worship you, our Lord and our God and our Savior. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, it's good to be with you again and we'll see you next week.